Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So stay with us, as right now we present. Sometimes do you feel like stress is taking over your life? Do you feel like it's really hard for you to settle down and to just relax and be And because you've got so much going on in your mind, you've got to pick up the kids, you've got to get the groceries, you've got to do this, and you've got to go do that and stuff. We've got a guest today that's going to help you kind of calm down just a little bit. And she is an expert in meditation practices. And she's got her website, which is hamiltonmeditationgroup.ca or .com, depending upon how you want to do it. And she is extraordinarily talented at what she does, and we're happy to have her on the show. Her name is uh, Allison Liss, and Allison, welcome to Positive Talk. How you doing? I'm doing good, Kevin. Thank you so much for inviting me on your show. Oh, this is so much fun. We're gonna we're gonna have a really really good time because not only are you a um, um, meditation teacher and practicer of note you also were i believe in your bio it says you were the youngest uh um um sales manager for a major department store or a retail outlet when you were just 28 years old that was last year i do believe (laughs) well it was some time ago but yes i was um the national sales director so we had 300 stores and um, all across Canada. So it was a very well-known chain in Canada. And it was uh, unisex denim. Basically, I was a denim. Uh, I was into jeans. And, um, and yeah, so I had 2,200 employees. I was really quite young. But I, I started there when I was young. And uh, at 19, I started as just one store manager. And my store just uh, really took off. And uh, the owner's uh, of course, found out about me because of that. And we only had 30 stores when I first started. And then as as the company grew, I got moved up um, and eventually became the national sales manager. So for my age, I was the youngest um, in Canada at that time. Yeah. Well, you know, I tell you, you may have been the youngest, but it takes a great deal of talent to be able to manage 2,200 people and 300 stores and and it went it it had exponential growth during the time that you were there so and not only that you also opened up your own store after that and you did some great things there as well uh yes i had a store in toronto and um it again like well it's kind of oddly enough when i i when i left my uh job i just thought i'm gonna do something a little bit more simple um it had a lot to do with my personal life, really. And I just thought, I'll just open up one store and it'll be quiet. And I, I knew I could easily run one store. And I had this very interesting, unique concept and I opened it. And the next thing you know, we're like this huge success. Um, all the all the uh, media in, in, in uh, Toronto, basically, were all over me. And it became, I was as busy with that one store <laughs> as I had ever been. In in running 300, it was really as busy or more because now I was in charge of everything. Of course, the buying and the other end of the business. Up until then, I was mostly in charge of uh, the personnel. But so that part I had down pat, which is actually the hardest part: hiring the employees, training the employees, managing the employees. So that part I was very good at, and um, and I had to learn the other parts. And uh, we were very successful. We uh, we were featured in People magazine as like the coolest store to shop in in Toronto. And, and yeah, it was a great experience. Actually, I loved it. Well, good for you. Now, my family, I grew up in retail. My dad was a uh, manager at Nordstrom. Oh, I, um, oh my God's my favorite department store. Oh, well, I'm sorry. They just left Canada. <laughs> I know. Well, I had a feeling they weren't going to make it here, but that's a whole nother story. But uh, the first time I ever went into a Nordstrom's, I was um, so impressed with, the staff and how how they treated you, the service that was available at that department store. When and I used to study it a lot actually when I was uh, in my own chain store running things. And I used to always say like, "Why can't we get everything like Nordstrom's? <laughs> They're so good." Yeah. <laughs> well, <clears throat> you know, my family goes back all the way to the original John Nordstrom, 
when when he was there. Then he had his three sons, which are Lloyd, Everett, and John, I believe. No, Bruce. And and then the, the third generation after that. And my dad worked there for 30 years. But so I and my sister worked for Nordstrom for 30 years as well. I'd never it didn't take for me because <laughs> those people, you guys in retail have to work way too hard and too many hours. It, it was amazing to me that that he worked six days a week for his entire adult life. Um, yeah. And it was and it was hard. But that's what he felt he had to do. And and Nordstrom, at the end of the day, took very good care of him. Yes. Well, it's retail is obviously not for everybody, but um, I think for those of us that click with it and like it and are successful there, it's a fantastic career, actually. I think it, it keeps you young, too. Well, it's, it's either that or it's going to bury you, one of the yeah, two. That's true. Because <laughs> yeah. there are a lot of people that did not uh, take to it as quite as well. Yeah. And it, it is, it's got to be in your blood, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But, I also I also grew up in a re, my father was a manager of a furniture store, and um, so the talk of retail was in uh, in my family when I was very young. So I understood I was I was I was given a very strong work ethic, and I think that's partly why I did well in retail. I was not afraid to work hard. I enjoyed it, and um, yeah, the hours were. I never even looked at the clock. I used to even say like to my husband at the time, I was like. Okay, I'll be home in an hour. <laughs> Eventually, he learned that that was just not true. <laughs> because an hour, the next thing you know, I'd be three hours later. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm still here. Like, I'm um, like, time just flew, and I loved what I did. So, but yeah. Well, my my uh, retail days go so far back. They go to my grandfather, who was a traveling shoe salesman, okay. and so he would in those days. It's hard to believe today, but in those days. He had an Electra 225, big old boat of a car, and he would put his samples in the trunk and he would give his my grandmother a kiss goodbye and he'd show up six weeks later yeah. because he was driving to every small town to talk to the, the shoe store that was in there. And in fact, when my dad started with Nordstrom's, they were just a shoe store. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, they bought uh, um, on best best retail. Uh, they bought them in the I want to say late '60s, somewhere in there. And uh, um, and by the way, for those of you who don't know, it is Thanksgiving, and Holly says Thanksgiving to us. And uh, I hope that she's having an awesome time. They have a tradition in her house. She's a friend of mine. She has a tradition in her house where they pay play 80s and 90s video games, which I call those current video <laughs> games. They call them old. <laughs> but in any event, my, so my dad w went to work at Nordstrom's when they were just a shoe store and in the university district. And then they bought Nordstrom Best or they bought Best, became Nordstrom Best, and then they ended up becoming just Nordstrom. Okay. And uh, so he, he was really part of their growth period, like you were. Uh, yeah. Going from 30 stores to 300, that is, that's remarkable. And the reason that I bring all of that up is that because you are a worker and you work a lot, you're now teaching meditation. That must have been a really 360 degree shift for you from being work, 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 work. I got to do this, do this, and having to being able to say, and now. We're going to calm down and we're going to clear our mind and we're going to relax and stuff. It's how did that transformation come for you? Well, you could say in a way that I, I spent my whole life really running at a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. It was uh, just the energy that I have. And um, I didn't think much. Uh, it wasn't thoughtful. My approach to life. I was a doer. And I would just say I ran at 100 miles an hour until I eventually hit a brick wall. Mm. And um, I just had a lot of issues that came up for me personally, professionally. And I was forced to uh, slow down. And during that time, I, um, I read a lot of books um, trying to find peace for myself. 
And in so doing, it kind of started me on what you could call a spiritual journey, something else uh, that I was really not. Um, although most people that knew me would always say, oh, you're very spiritual. I never saw myself that way. Um, I was raised by um, my parents were my father was Jewish and my mother was Catholic. And they were both. Yeah, they were both quite steadfast in their in their uh, positions. And so there was a lot of talk of religion in my house. And I mean, I loved both religions I and um, and the idea of religion, you could say, but I never felt that my, I myself was really religious. And in fact, um, it was um, during my kind of quest to, uh, I remember just sitting out in my backyard one time and thinking like, should I be a Jewish person? Should I be a Catholic person? Should I be doing this religious thing? Is this why I've run into, you know, some roadblocks in my life? And two weeks later, I ended up at this place called Vipassana, uh, the OVC, Ontario Vipassana Center. Um, and this is a place, it's a silent 10-day retreat. They're all over the world. Uh, we have three in Canada. And uh, luckily for me, one of them is about uh, two hours or three hour drive from where I live. And I ended up there and uh, got all the answers that I was looking for in a, in a deep state of meditation. I had never meditated before, by the way. Um, I, was, I was just, um, I'm going to say suffering mentally. Um, you know that feeling where if you look around, like everything physical is seems to be fine, like your life is good. You don't appear to have necessarily problems, but I did not feel that way. I've... Um, some people could describe it as a depression. I don't know if I would describe it as that way, but I just was not feeling good. I'm going to say that like uh, my outside life, I, uh, I, I did not feel as good as I guess I should have. And I couldn't understand like, why do I not, you know, feel happy? And um, anyway, I thought that I needed to just get away. And I thought maybe I just need to um, go on a retreat. So I start like Google searching like different places at at first i think oh maybe i'm gonna go like just camping or something like that i just wanted to get away and i ended up uh just finding this website i knew nobody that had ever gone i knew nothing about it um i registered and um got into this uh, 10-day silent retreat and um it was funny actually the night the night before i was leaving a friend of mine called me and he goes i was looking at this retreat you're going on he goes are you sure you're prepared for this? This is some, this is like a heavy duty, like meditation thing. He goes like, I don't know if you're going to be able to even, you know, you, you can't talk for 10 days. How are you going to do it? And I said, well, you know, I didn't really look and the schedule is quite, um, we meditate for 14 hours a day. And, uh, so the schedule is sort of grueling, I guess, daunting. And I said, well, listen, I never really looked that closely at it, but I'm registered. I've cleared my schedule, which by the way, at the time I had two, two teenagers. I mean, and, um, so it wasn't easy to clear 10 days off because it's not just 10 days of silence. Like you cannot be notified by phone. Um, right. you're cut off from everything. So you don't bring a piece of paper, a pencil, a book, nothing. And so for me to be able to get away for 10 days where nobody would be able to contact me uh, or anything wasn't easy. So I said, well, I've made all these arrangements. Like I'm not bailing out now. And uh, so I went up there and uh, changed my life. I had, uh, yeah. No, there was an, another gentleman that I've interviewed and his name is G. Scott Graham. And he did the same thing. I don't know. You may have been in the same class. He's done it several times. And he's a very, very spiritual man. And uh, and we were talking about it, and it was like, didn't anybody tell you that you weren't going to be talking for like ten days, and you weren't going to be doing anything? And, and and he was he was like, no, and they're dead, deadly serious about it. It's not like, um, well, if you talk, that's okay. It's like, no, nobody nobody talks. As a matter of fact, they were at, at the mealtime one time, and somebody passed gas. And they farted right there in the, in the, in the cafeteria and nobody even cracked a smile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You do, you're not even supposed to make eye contact. Like they even tell you, like if you pass another person on the trail or whatever, just put your like gaze down at the ground uh, because they want to simulate an experience that you are there alone and that yeah. there is, there is no one else. And, um, and this is kind of what it takes. Uh, uh, the man that started it, uh, S.N. Goinka, 
he he ha- he spent years trying to figure out how to help people have the experience that I ultimately had, and he came to the conclusion after many years of trial uh, with with many people, thousands and thousands of people, and all over the world that this was the best formula to try to help a person have what he calls a direct experience with your true nature. And that happened to me on the eighth day. So I'm sitting there in in meditation. And um, the next thing you know, I describe it as like my mind just basically shut off. And even, and I just was, all I could feel was my soul. And um, my true nature was shocking to me because it was, I, I was beautiful. I was intelligent, um, completely connected to the nature around me and all and all people. It was something I had never felt that way because I actually never felt that way. I, I never thought I was good looking enough. I never thought that I was working hard enough or smart enough. So um, so I was always trying really hard in life, you know. And so to have that experience, um, it it just changed everything. And And what happened to me is when I when I left there, I thought to myself, wow, every person needs to come to this place. And then almost immediately after I had that thought, I had the thought, I don't know anybody that's going to come to this place. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's like you're going, you did what in 10 day? Are you kidding? Yeah. You now know? I have to say not everybody has the experience that I had. Uh, it's um, some people call it a satori, um, or it's it's like the holy grail of meditation, um, where you where that does happen to you. So I felt kind of um, a sense of responsibility that now that I had this information, that that we are peace. That peace is not a place to get to. It's your natural state. That you are beautiful. That everything is good is the natural position. And then what happens is though. We are so attached to the mind. We're actually addicted to it and we're addicted to our patterns. And so that's why we can't experience it. So, uh, or why we generally do not experience it. And so I spent um, the the next 15 years um, trying to see if I could develop a meditation technique that could help people get to that experience without having to, you know, squirrel away for 10 days and cut yourself off from society. And I started teaching this technique and it's really just a sequence. Um, And many of my students, not all of them, um, had the same experience. And some of them had had, that sat with me said, I've sat in meditation for 30 years and I never had this experience. Now, the other thing I should add is what I did learn is that experience is not necessarily the goal. What happens is when you meditate a lot, it does change you metaphysically. Um, And so the idea is not necessarily to, we're not meant to live in that existence of, of that. It's just the truth of, of, of life, but the human existence is different. We're here on this planet to experience almost not being in that state so that we figure out how to get there. And it's in the figuring out and, and following your path that um, all, all the good things happen. So if you look at it like this, like in a way it was like, um, it was a moment of enlightenment, you could say. I was just gonna say that you, you said, uh, enlightenment is another term for the, the term that you used. Um, Satori. Satori, yeah, that's, which is, I believe Satori means enlightenment. Um, yes. It's um, yeah. So it was it was a moment. And now how long it lasted for me is hard to say, but I'm going to say a few hours. Mm-hmm. And um, and in fact, even Goinka um, explains because, of course, I fell into the trap like um, which was to chase that. So initially I thought, oh, this is the state that I should be always in every day, 24 hours a day. And I'm doing something wrong if I'm not in that state. And so I went back to Vipassana several times. Uh, not only to, to sit the course, but also to to um, to volunteer up there, uh, which is part of the program, and um, and kind of looking to have that experience again, and um, come to find out that that is not what you're supposed to do. 
what you're supposed to do with the information is just knowing that that's your true nature. And then you, the rest of your life is the investigation of, okay, if that's my true nature, like, what am I doing that I'm not that like, what else is going on that um, is, is the, what we call the human experience. And so having that information is a, is a beautiful thing you could say, but obviously I do not live in that state on a daily basis. Um, and I'm not meant to, what I'm meant to do and what we all are is to experience the human experience of emotions that come and go, thoughts that come and go, breath that comes and goes until it doesn't. Um, and to kind of, um, alchemize it all, I guess you could say. And what, and as a result, um, it doesn't mean that I don't have problems and I don't go through moments uh, where I'm out of my mind, but, um, I'm, I'm way more centered. Uh, for there's, um, when I'm experiencing life's trials and tribulations, there is a part of me that I can tap into that's actually at peace. So even though I'm experiencing all the other things, um, I'm, I'm grounded. Grounded is a great word to use. It's yeah. A, I'm, I'm, use. Yeah. I call it, I'm more of an observer. And so there's yeah. a part of myself that is witnessing the other part of myself. And so it's in that ability to witness yourself freaking out, being sad, being mad, being happy, whatever that is. Uh, if you are able to witness yourself doing those things, let's just say the power they have over you is not that much. So it's there, but I could like the grip, like it used to have a grip on me where I thought I was that madness or I thought I was experiencing, yeah. I am upset or I am depressed or I am anxious. Now I can separate that. Yes, there's a part of me that's anxious, but there's a part of me that is observing it. And when you're able to do that through learning this meditation technique that I've, the sequence that I teach people, um, you, the, the, the power it has on you, the grip, let's say the grip it has on you is just lighter. And it passes, it passes like you're not in it for like a week or two weeks or three weeks. It's more momentary. I attribute it very similar to Lee, very similarly, like, sorry, English is my second language, <laughs> um, to um, near-death experience. And I'll tell you why. Uh, in a lot of in a lot of people that have had near-death experience, they go to the other side. They experience nothing but pure love, pure bliss. They understand that that's home. That's where they we come from, and that's where we're going to return to. But then they come back here because they've their work isn't done, in many cases, and so they they learn. And, and I, I'd like to think I'm on the path of learning this, is that the, the experiences that we have here are by our own design that we developed before we even got here. And we did it for the specific reason of learning the lessons that are presented to us in this life so that we can become more than and we become who we really are. Does that make any sense at all to you? Yes, it does. In fact, um, one of the descriptions I would have of when I was in that state was that we are energy. Yes. Like basically my body was not even in existence. I mean, I could look at it and see it, but it wasn't, it was, I could just feel myself as pure energy. And I would say it is the energy of love and yes. nothing and nothing else. And yes. that there actually, the, the reality is there is nothing else. Yes. I agree with you a hundred percent and that and that is a very hard concept for some people to understand when they say, Mom, my life is in the crapper and I've got this and I got that. And they take it to a level that that's all they end up believing that's all there is. That's all they can be, rather than going through some exercises like what you, your program that you work with and help people understand that no this isn't all there is and that's not that it, it's something that you're here to learn and you can benefit from all the experiences that you have in your life and that's all by divine design at least from my perspective how about yours yes i would i would totally agree with you um and you are here to discover it 
In fact, I don't feel like the people that come to me are um, like, I, I, I find it's all quite purposeful. Like the right people find me. Yep. Um, um, and you have to kind of be ready. Like the other thing is I can't say to a person, you're just love. That's all it is. And then convince them like it doesn't work like that. But if you, but you have to experience it for yourself. And, um, and that's why when you were saying earlier, which I think is so true, it's what you, it, it does have to do with what you believe. And that's the difference between when you're a meditator, you know, that you're, you might feel, um, let's say emotions of depression or anxiety, but you don't believe them. You know that they are moments. So you might say, okay, I'm feeling this kind of anxious feeling. Um, but I don't believe that I'm anxious. I'm just experiencing this. And so that is like the difference between the what I would call a person that is benefiting from the correct meditations. Um, that's the difference in how we live. It's really an art of how to live. It doesn't stop problems from coming. In fact, I will say this. I used to call it like this. It's it, in some ways, the path is two steps forward, one step back. Because over the years, I've been doing this for years, like 15 years or so now teaching it. And I myself have had times where I, I went, you know, I, I kind of retreated, if you will. And then I, mm -hmm. and then I even wonder, can I believe my own bullshit? Like, because now I'm, <laughs> I'm back in it, you know? And I'm thinking, and you know, you think, you know, that's why it's really funny. My friend calls it the spiritual high horse. And she'll say, well, be careful of the spiritual high horse. Cause it's quite a fall, you know? So it's when you start thinking that you've got it all figured out and now you're going to be like smooth sailing from here. And then all of a sudden life circumstances happen. And it's something that is, you cannot handle and you can, and you can find yourself right back to where you were before you ever meditated. And then you think, um, you know, maybe I'm wrong about everything I'm saying, but no, you're almost meant to go back so that you can climb your way back out again. But what I try to explain to people is that you are, it is a forward path. It's just sometimes two steps forward, one step back, three steps forward, two steps back. And you just have to stay the course just like everything, like you were saying earlier in retail, don't give up. That's the key. You just stay the course. Don't, you know, don't throw it out. And I've had many periods where, you know, I'm not meditating for, you know, a few weeks. And, uh, and then I just realized, okay, I got to get back to my practice. And then sure enough, when I'm back in my practice, you know, <clears throat> you have more insights. Um, what happens in meditation is that once you quiet the mind, you give a, the, a chance for your soul to speak. Yes. That's and it. when that happens, it's reassuring you. It's kind of letting you know that, you know, you're on the right, you're on the right path, but it doesn't mean it's not rocky or it's not like, I call it a roller coaster. I mean, this life, I can speak for myself. It's been a roller coaster. And I call so, it the bad country music song period. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We, we have, we have yeah. one of those, you know, one of my, my, I had a gentleman, his name is James Arthur Ray. You may know of him. He was in The Secret, the movie. Yeah, yep. And he was all that in the bag of chips. He had a one time a million followers. He said he had $20 million in the bank. I have no reason to dispute that because he was traveling all over the world, uh, giving lectures and so forth and retreats. He was having a, a retreat in, in Arizona. And one of the things they did is they went to a sweat lodge. Well, for whatever reason... Um, in that sweat lodge, uh, during his retreat, three people died, which is a tragic thing. And he felt it was a tragic thing. But he was then charged with uh, manslaughter. So he went from being on top of the world, thinking he was a guru that everybody should follow. And then he ended up in prison for two years. He came out of prison. He had nothing. He was $20 million in debt. And so what he did is he recognized that he isn't a guru and he isn't all that in a bag of chips, but he did have a legitimate thing that he could help people help themselves, which is what it's all about. That's yeah. what you do when you help people through their meditation practices. You're not bestowing them anything other than the guide map of how to do it for themselves and to live, live their life to the best that they can um, based upon what they learned during that the meditation is that is that a fair assessment i would say so in, in fact that's one of the um strategies that i have i i rarely like of course i'm on here talking and i i do love talking but um i'm just trying to spread you know trying to help people find peace basically i think my time is here and 
and, and I feel called to do so. But I, I don't usually talk to people when they come to sit with meditation with me. I don't have much to, I don't have anything to say, really. I just start right in at the technique and teach them the technique and show them the technique. Um, the course that I, well, I sell it now on my website um, and I just call it the course. It's like five audio files and it's basically just teaching people to meditate. And so when, so I talk them through it, I give instruction because meditation is not just sitting in silence. Of course, that's part of it, but there are things that you're actually doing. Um, it's, um, it's basically directing your awareness from one place to another. And so I give the instruction, but I try, I try to stay away from explaining to people the philosophy, why meditation works, why I think they should do it. Like I try to stay away from all that and just say, let, let, let just, just learn to meditate and, um, and practice it. And, and then later when they've had their own insights, then I, then I do enjoy speaking with them and sharing our stories. But in the beginning, I'm not a lecturer. I'm not somebody that uh, tries to, does explain it. But what you were saying about that gentleman, um, it's so true. And I would say that about almost every person that's on this path, that at some point you find yourself where you exactly, where you realize you are, is the word fallible? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, Tony Robbins is also the same story. Like most people know him as being like this huge success and somebody that maybe, you know, it's not one, I always say it's not like one rocket ship ride to the top. I mean, if you know his story, he was actually super successful, very well known, doing his thing and ended up finding out that um, he had an associate. I believe it was his accountant that was stealing all the money from him. And here he's going around projecting himself um, as a guy that's got it all. And in the meantime, the truth of his life was he had no money in the bank and he had to, you know, he had to get a grip on himself, too. And he his story is that that even made him better. Because then you have to dig deeper, and um, and yeah, and that that is part of it. It's not. It's about how we get up, isn't it? It is, and it's not a matter of everybody falls. Everybody's going to fall. It's how you get up and what you do from there, because you can figure out how and why you fell, and but if you don't make the changes necessary in in your life or in the circumstances around you to keep yourself from doing it again, guess what, kids? You're going to fall again. Yeah. I call it like, like it's life's roadmap. Yeah. And so that's teaching you, oh, you turned left and really you missed the turn. And so now you have to just go back to the beginning and this time you're going to turn the other way. Or, or maybe there's a person you need to meet that's going to be, because that's another thing I always say, like, you're not, um, I don't look at things as time. I look, I always say like, you're not a certain amount of time away from where you want to be. You could be a person away, you know, mm -hmm. a, it, one experience away from what is the thing that's going to click for you. And so when these things happen, they are, I call it, it's the roadmap. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's like, okay, you, you know, you're being guided and directed actually at all times. And so if you need to meet a person or you need to go through an experience or read the right book, something will happen to you that will force you because you might not otherwise have done so. It'll force you to, you know, get on the path where that person is, that teacher or whatever, or that partner or whatever is the, is the thing that, that you need. And if you will, and I've been doing this quite a bit lately in my own life, it really is fascinating. Every person that has meant a great deal to me that has come and gone out of my life has left me with a very, very important lesson, including my high school sweetheart, who I haven't talked to in 40 years, the guy who got me involved with uh, the community college where I took acting and met my wife and subsequently had my kids, I haven't talked to him in 30 years. The gentleman who got me started in radio, he, he, he said to me one time, because we were doing exactly what you were doing in that we were having, I had doubts about, I grew up Lutheran and stuff, but I didn't feel fulfilled. I didn't feel like, why am I really here? What am I really here to do? And at one point in our spiritual journey, he said, hey, let's do a television show. And I said, I don't think we can do that, but I'll look at it. And uh, we couldn't, but we could do radio. 
And so in 2003, um, I started a show called Positive Talk Radio, and I did it two hours a day, five days a week for a year. Loved every minute of it, and that led me to this. And every person in my life that has come and then gone, they're part of my soul family. I firmly believe that they're the folks that helped me, and we conspired to do this together. And so those experiences happen to all of us. But if you're not aware of it, then they you pass the they just pass by, and you don't catch it. Does that make sense? I'm sure you've had some of those. Yes, it totally does. Um, I was just going to say, like, um, you we've actually never done anything. Like we think that we are smart and we've accomplished things and we've made things happen. And if you really look at your life and the facts of it, it's been somebody has helped you. Yeah. <laughs> somebody gave you a break or somebody taught you a lesson or, you know, it's, it's, it's always that. Like I used to think, oh, well, I climbed, you know, from the bottom of my company to the top of my company. I thought, no, I didn't. I actually met I, my first, I had a boss that actually, you know, took a liking to me and he actually just gave me a promotion and that's what got me to the next level. So whenever I think that I've done something, I realize, Oh my goodness, I haven't actually, somebody has come in and helped me in one way or in another. And I would say that about everybody, like even the jobs that we get, you know um, it's usually something has happened for us. It's not necessarily that we have created some great situation. It's, it's that, yeah, you could be in the right place at the right time or, you could be obviously getting up and moving the energy, I call it. Like, that's why I would say, like, just move the energy. Um, and you could be doing those things. But the the great things that happened to you, if you look at them, it was always because something happened for you. It wasn't that you made it. It's a very egotistical viewpoint. If you think, I'm self-made. I did it all. You know, and even, even when you have um, CEOs of companies that say, I I shouldn't be taxed. I've self-made my company and me. But the roads to get the employees to the factory were um, bought and paid for by taxes and by other people and stuff like that. So nobody, nobody does it on their own. If you think you've done it on your own, you are delusional because you can't do it without a community of like-minded people and or spirits on the other side or or the the, the driving force that it helps you and and when you do the work that you're talking about doing it becomes more clear doesn't it just clear it up for you yes like in fact like i would even say with my meditation i didn't necessarily set out to think oh i'm going to teach meditation to everybody it it um i was working in in a store that my daughter and i owned and um i had been back from my meditation retreat and i think i was um I had something changed in me and a woman came in the shop one day and she was a regular customer. And she said, Oh, I just love your, you know, your energy. Like, how is it that you've got such a great attitude about life? It's just, it's wonderful. I wish I had your attitude. And I just said to her, and I don't even know why I said it. I go, Oh, it's because I'm a meditator. And she's like, what? And she goes, I said, oh, I think it's because I'm a meditator. And she said, well, can you show me how to do meditation? And I said, well, I, I can try because at that time I'm thinking what I had to learn, I had, you know, I had to go away for 10 days and, and do all of that. So I said, you know, I can show you what I do. And so I, she said, well, could you come, you know, to my house? I mean, I said, sure, let me help you out. She was a, a lovely person, a nice customer of ours. And so I went to her house and, and she enjoyed it. And then she said, can you come back next week? And I said, yes. And then she said, um, oh, you know, I'm and after about me coming to her place about six or seven times, you know, she said, Allison, like, I really feel like this is helping me. She said, like, I, I feel a little different and I'm I'm doing all the instructions you gave me and it's having an effect on my life. She goes, I think, would you mind if I invited my sister? Because I think she could use some help. And I said, yes, bring your sister. And so she brought her sister. The next thing you know, I've got her and her sister. And then they said, oh, we have a friend. Our friend would like to join if you don't mind. I said, no, bring your friend. The next thing you know, I've got like a group of eight people. Like it, it's not like I started it out. And then one day when I had this group of eight people, and I, I think I mentioned it earlier, one of the women had the same experience that I had by following this sequence. And she said to me, Allison, I've been meditating for 30 years and I've never had that. She said, but I've never meditated in the way that you are explaining it. 
And so I, she goes, um, you got to show this to as many people as you can. Like, I think it's beautiful. And so that's literally how it happened. It wasn't, oh, and I would do it for free. That was the other thing for like eight years. I never charged anybody because I had a clothing business. Like that was my job. And this, I was just doing to help other people. And, um, and then when that woman had that experience, I thought, oh, I really thought, oh, this is wonderful. I can do this. And then um, one day they were coming and uh, I set up a little meditation studio in the, in the first floor of my home. And, um, and then one day one of the women came and she said, oh, you know what? I don't know if I can come back here because we come here to your home every week, every Monday, it was called Monday meditation. And she said, and I just, I'm starting to feel guilty because you don't, you know, you don't want us to give you anything. And she goes, I don't mind once in a while, but if I'm going to come here every week, just at least open up like a donation box or something. Like, let me, let me bring you a gift or something. She said, otherwise I don't feel comfortable just taking from you like this. And I said, sure, bring me whatever you want, you know? And so I won't, you know, I won't stop you. And so, you know, they would bring me, you know, incense or they would bring me, you know, uh, crystals to put in the room or a sound bowl I got as a gift one time and, uh, you know, salt lamps. And the next thing you know, my meditation room turned into like this beautiful room that everyone loved coming to. And and that's literally how it started. And um, yeah. Well, and I would like to submit to folks that say, oh, come on, you're just meditating and, and you're charging people. There's an energy exchange that also is important for us to consider in that um, when in, in energy, money is energy. And when you are giving something of value away for free, then your energy is not being met on an equal basis from somebody else. And it's also not valued as much as if you, if if as if they paid for it. As an example, that 10-day retreat that you don't get to talk, I, I could not make it 10 days, I'm afraid. Uh, but uh, um, you paid money for that, so you valued it. Well, I will say this. Um, that's the beauty of the Vipassana centers for anybody that does want to investigate that. And that is the beauty. It is by donation. And it, and that was a thing that really blew my mind. Because, but it is about the energy. And that's exactly what you're saying. Energy has to be given to receive. A lot of people that are having struggles in their life, it's a lot of it does stem from their inability to receive and receive graciously and happily. Uh, uh, some people have a block with that. And so um, the truth is I started, uh, I made my meditation course because I simply couldn't accommodate the amount of people that I'm trying to help. And so I sell it for like a nominal fee on my website. In 2019, I started charging for it simply because uh, my store closed. It was Ooh. just, um, anyway, it's a whole long story. We went online and then COVID happened and the whole retail, the whole retail yep. world for me disappeared. Um, if anybody understands what happened to the clothing business and you might want you may notice that you see less and less bricks and mortar stores in clothing yep. specifically um so so that thing that i had been able to earn my whole life kind of went away so i thought this would be a good thing but i will say this you learn this in vipassana that it is an energy exchange and so when you go up there um you give a donation and they are very specific about it they tell you do not give an amount that hurts Give an amount that you can freely give. So for some people, it's $1,000. For some people, it's $50. For some people, it's nothing, I'm sure. And everybody has a different number that you think, okay, you know what? This is not difficult for me to give. That you give your donation in privacy, like uh, anonymously. So nobody knows how much you gave or what you, what you gave, unless you do it by visa. But if you want to bring cash, it's in an envelope. There's no name on it, et cetera. Um, and... And then what they like you to do is volunteer. And so I really learned about, um, but again, there's no pressure on it either. But this is this is funny, Kevin, and you'll appreciate it because that's when I really understood this whole exchange of energy and yeah. why it's important that we give and we receive. When I'm up there, at one point, the whole place runs on volunteers, by the way, because think about it. There's 80 people up there. Um, we stay in very nice places. It's not, it's, um, it's rustic. But it's very lovely, very well appointed, beautiful showers, nice place to sleep. Uh, the, the, the grounds are gorgeous. Um, the food is spectacular. It's all uh, vegetarian, but it's delicious. 
and 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 your and your place is cleaned every day and you're up there and, and I'm thinking and, and there's all these volunteers that are that are actually able that are the reason you can come up there and have all of this happen and I remember um I literally did because I'm a kind of you know I've been in retail my whole life and a bit of a business person I remember thinking why would these volunteers be coming up here like they must be crazy like like it's one thing to take 10 days out of your life to sit in this course and learn it but it's a whole nother thing to be up here and you're just serving the other people and I thought that's amazing you know that just was strange to me I thought what kind of people are doing this and then after I after I went up there and volunteered it hit me like here's the beauty of this meditation and why I am on a mission because it's a collective energy. The reason the people go up there to volunteer is because you have these 80 students that are in this 10 day course that are doing the work. We call it, they are doing the meditation, the difficult work and you in serving them are actually receiving it. So people, have, people have Tories, people have, um, like you're, you you can even your health feels better. Like so, even though you're up there serving the other people, you are actually receiving this beautiful energy from eighty people that are up there meditating, and and it's the most beautiful ten days that you can have is to go up there and volunteer. And so I literally experienced the energy exchanging, like coming from them and coming into me, and um and that's why they have no problem getting volunteers. People, there's like a list of trying to get on there so that you can go up and volunteer so that you can actually, um, and it's easier by the way, because you're not sitting in that really, like even though you're sitting in meditation, as a volunteer, you're not doing 14 hours a day. You're only doing like three or four. And so, but you're receiving the benefits of these people that are, that are grueling away, if you will. Um, and so that is a huge part of this world is that the energy, because we are energy. We are nothing but energy. Um, the body comes and goes. We know this. Um, thoughts come and go. The breath comes and goes. But there is an essence, a spirit of that is you um, that does never comes and goes. It's just there. And it is energy. And so this energy is constantly moving. And, and that's why I always say to people, why fight an uphill battle when you can get into this energy world and, and, and it's just easier. It's as simple as that. It's just an easier way to live. It's a more beautiful way to live. Um, the reason um, that I believe this is my contribution to peace in the world is not so much just teaching it, but finding peace myself. And that's why I'm doing this. Not so much to teach it, but I feel that if every person could just find the peace within themselves, the problems would be solved. And yeah. so instead of trying to say, oh, I'm going to make my city more peaceful or I'm going to make this person more peaceful, I don't look at it like that. I am just being at, at my search for peace, my discovery of peace within myself is the contribution to the collective peace. That's how I believe it works. That's the only way it works. Yeah, there is no, the day of the guru is dead. And there's no time when, when you can have somebody else or you impact a large group of people, they're going to do what they want to do. And it's up to each of us to take care of ourselves and to promote those things that we want others to do by doing that ourselves. And then we become a shining example for other folks, like, yes. what, like what you're doing. And that's, and that really is all you can do because you can't, you can maybe influence somebody, but you can't make them be different than they're going to be and what's and the stories that they've told themselves we all have different stories that that come from our youth and from the people like like people said that you weren't good looking enough i have to tell you you have exquisite energy you're a beautiful human being and you need to be treated as such and and to hear stories that people tell us that you know um they're inconsequential they don't mean anything because you are that special human being and what you're doing is going to and is having an impact in everyone you touch. And that's all you can do. Oh, thank you for that. You know, and uh, it's like what I do. All I do is I, I call it my, this is my selfish pleasure because I get to talk to incredibly talented people who have got this amazing energy 
And then we have a really cool energy exchange during the show, and it actually lifts me up. I can come into one of these shows and be tired and be grumpy, and I don't want to. But then by the time the show's over, I feel refreshed. It's like taking a nice shower or, or a great meditation or something like that because of the quality of the human experience that we can have together and exchange energy together is, is unbelievably exciting to me. Yes, I agree. Um, there is nothing better than um, being in touch with people of, of, of a certain energy. Um, I, I mean, if somebody walks into your, into a room and they're miserable, as an example, you can feel that right away. Like, all of a sudden, you know, you know, a dark cloud has taken over the room. And when somebody comes in and they've got great energy, all of a sudden, everybody feels better. You know, it's it's always been that way at work. Like, even when I did retail stores, like that was part of the key of my success. Although at the time, I did not know this is what it was. Right. Um, but when I look back, I go, how come every time I took over a store, it just did so much better? Because I would put together a team of people that had positive energy and they, 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 they weren't people that were negative. Oh, we're not going to do well today. Oh, you know what? It's raining. No customers are going to come. You know, like, like, like I never, I, I always hired the people that, you know, thought it was going to be a good day. You know, in fact, that's what I looked for when I interviewed people, people say, Oh, I, you know, Oh, I want somebody with six years retail experience. I'd never looked at that. I always said, I want a person who thinks it's all going to go well. <laughs> You know, and yeah, yep. and if I if I interview somebody and they have that sort of um, idea that they think that it's going to be a good day, you know, then generally speaking, they will influence not only the other people that you're working with, but even customers. Have you ever walked into a store and the people are miserable in there, and <laughs> you can like you can feel it, like they don't even want you there. There's no please, there's no thank you. They they don't give you eye contact. Like the energy is not positive, and so. Being and I, that's why I, I do love the name of your of your thing. It's just being positive um, is is important, and that's one of the things that helps you with meditation. It literally will have you like I used to. I used to suffer from a negative attitude. I was raised by somebody. Um, I had actually fantastic parents, but my mother was very a, a very famous uh, negative person. <laughs> you know, like in fact. <laughs> Like she was wonderful and I loved her, but like she was so negative. It was like comical. And and that's why like she was funny, you know, she was a great mom, but her negativity was like shocking, you know, like, and, um, and so I had that, you know, in me, it was just, I, I can only explain it. I felt negative. I, I, I was worried. I was a worrier, like a lot of those things. And so meditation has literally shifted that and, um, and caused uh, you know, caused me to just have a more, um, you know, positive attitude, I guess, or a positive outlook, or maybe you could say it's hope, you know, like, you know, that, that type of a thing. Well, you know, I, I agree, agree with you. Now, I had a different experience because I was in the restaurant business. And as a general manager, normally speaking, what happens is you've got, I had several assistants and I had a, a chef and I had 70 people to work for us. And we had, you know, like, 40 or 50 people on Friday night that are all be working and stuff. And generally the, the manager goes wandering through and says, look at me, I'm the general manager and look at all these people that I can control. Ah, that's not what I did. As a matter of fact, they gave me a plaque after when I was leaving that said, because every Friday and Saturday night, I would walk through the kitchen. I would walk through before the people got there, the customers got there. And I would say, it's Friday. It's Friday. We're going to be busy. That's great, isn't it? And and I would go through and have this this thing that they even put it on the plaque. We're gonna be busy, and because I I that I was incessant with that because I wanted to pump everybody up with positive energy that we are going to have a fucking spectacular night and it's good. Everybody's going to make a lot of money. The customers are going to leave happy. Everybody's good. then we're going to go have a beer afterwards and we're going to say. Thank you for the whole thing. And and it worked because yeah. people want to be led by positive people. I agree with you. I it's I feel that you you definitely have that. The first time I talked to you, like that was just all I needed. I, I was like you exude positivity 
and you do seem like that kind of a person and it makes a person likable and attractive. And that's, that, that to me is, is so key. And yeah, I can, it's completely, um, I'm sure everybody that listens to you feels the same way. It's, uh, it's noticeable and appreciated. Well, I, I really appreciate you coming and talking with me today. You, you're, you are special in your own right as well. And we all are, and we all deserve to have, uh, people appreciate what we do and, and who we are. And, and even people that, that, are not there yet. They will get there. I'm yeah. convinced that everybody, if you choose to, again, it's your choice. And I like to say, if it ain't this time, it'll be next time. Uh, yeah. But eventually, you're gonna you're gonna figure out that what you want is to lead a happy life. And if you do, the folks around you will also lead a happier life. And so yes. you become infectious to everybody around you. And then you, that's when meaningful change happens. I think. Yeah. I always say, as soon as you've had enough, <laughs> like, like that's to me how, when change happens, when you just can't take it anymore. So sometimes somebody will come to me and they'll be like, oh, well, I want to be more like this, but you know, I can't, or I haven't, you know, I go, well, you're just not sick and tired enough yet. Like once you've had enough and you can't take it anymore, uh, you will make the changes. That's just the way it works. You know? yeah, who who is it that said uh, once you're sick and tired enough of being sick and tired, yeah. you'll decide to fix it? That's what happens, right? And and I would say that's even for myself. I told you it was I hit a brick wall. I didn't even know that you know this part of life existed, you know. But I hit a brick wall, and uh, I I I had to pull myself together. And so you know, it, some people takes hitting to a rock bottom to to you know do what they have to do. So. So that's fine. That's part of that's part of this journey, and um, yeah, that that is exactly part of the journey. And and it's like I I, I keep telling you about my bad country music song time. It, it happens to everybody, and this is after my I did the radio show for a year, and I thought that, but so many things were out of sync. The energy of the people around me when I went into it were out of sync with the people that I met during it. And so their energy, the people I met during it was a lot higher than the, than even my wife, friends, family. They're like, what the hell are you doing this for? You, you had a good job. You, you could have, you know, you could have done the, and, and, and now you're doing this. There's no, there's no guarantee that you're going to be successful doing this. You're crazy. You're friggin' crazy. And, <laughs> And I'm sure that you've been told that in in your life as well, and and so it wasn't until all those people left because we no longer synced energetically that now I have a group of people around me who I will die for because they are high energy, high happiness people, and that's who I choose to hang out with. And people like you that are that are happy, and then we have we can have a great conversation and a great time. And but it takes sometimes it takes going through that to get to the other side, and then to let it all go. And you said it; it's on your website. I saw it. Uh, just let it all go and be, and, and and it'll all come to you. I guarantee it. It'll come to you. It may not be exactly how you think it's going to be, but. You're just going to, it will come to you as it's supposed to happen. Yeah. I would say it probably almost would <clears throat> most definitely not come how you think it should come. It will come better than what you could have imagined. Like yep. the things that I've done um, have turned out way better than I could have actually imagined. Even stories that I did back in the day, like my story that I did, as I said, like I planned this one thing and another thing happened. So it, it's always, it's always better than what you could imagine. And so I think that's that's part of it, just kind of detaching from the outcome and just doing your thing. Exactly. By the way, if somebody wants to contact you, how do they get that done? Um, well, they can contact me. Um, I have a website, as you mentioned, uh, hamiltonmeditationgroup.com or .ca, uh, allisonliss at gmail. You can email me. My phone number is on my website, by the way. I have no problem taking calls. I answer it all the time. Oh, I have a podcast. If I could kindly let people know about my podcast. That's well, Alice, and Liz, yeah, Alice and Liz Meditation. 
and it's on Spotify and everywhere you find podcasts. And I give a lot of practical um, uh, information, I would say, on the podcast, like things that you can actually do that will shift your energy, um, that are things that I've learned and had uh, when I've been meditating, but you don't. And oh, you had said something earlier about meditation. One of the big myths I find too, is that people think that they have to do this meditation a half an hour in the morning, a half an hour at night, and it has to be done on a regular basis. Um, although there are those of us that do that, the, the, the path to become that does not necessarily have to start like that. And so on my Allison List Meditation podcast, I give a lot of tips and things that you can do for one minute in a day, two minutes in a day that you that you will definitely see results. Like I literally guarantee this stuff because I don't, one thing with me is I I'm, like I talk about things I have experienced and uh, and I have seen other people experience it. Like I, I this stuff is tried, true and tested what I tell people to do. Um, if I'm not sure something's going to work, I won't really mention it. So, so I, I give, um, each of my episodes on my podcast are a practical tip that a person can do. Anybody can do it, any age. Um, and they're little manipulations of energy, I call it. And you'll start seeing a, like, uh, kind of miraculously just beautiful circumstances coming into your life in weird synchronistic ways. It happens all the time. It is, you know, I've got story after story after story of, of things that were not supposed to happen. They just did. And, and it's just, an, it, it really is a remarkable. It, when you step back and then you watch everything unfold in front of you, it really is a powerful experience because you get to see the workings of all the, the you know, my guides and the people on the other side and my family and everybody. They're all in cahoots to try and make what I really want to have happen, happen. And yeah. so, but it's not necessarily how I, as a human, think in my logical brain, how it's supposed to happen. It may be, well, I'll give you an example. It just is happening right now. Um, I, there's a gal who has got a, a couple of kids that is, they're, they're called Sisters J. Um, and they're a musical group. I highly recommend if you really like uh, these people. They're, they're really cool people. And anyway, they're moms. They're called Sisters J. And you can go to Sisters J um, and and look at some of their, their videos and stuff. But they're they're really cool people. And their mom is also a cool people. Cool people. She's also a really cool lady. And she works with um, special needs kids. She's actually gone to the government to try and change laws for autistic kids and that sort of thing. And uh, so I had her on a show last week, and we I've had them on like three or four or five times. Well, apparently they really liked me and like the show. And so she said, have you thought about syndication? And I said, well, yes, I've been trying to figure out how to syndicate Positive Talk Radio so that it can have a broader reach because I really feel like I owe it to you. You've taken the time. You've taken an hour, an hour, and and preparing for it and stuff. I owe it to you to get you the biggest reach I possibly can. That's my mission, is, is to get great people like you to be heard by a ton of people. Because then that's the change that I will initiate is not from me. It is through you and, and, the, and the things that you're going to offer people. And so that's important. So she said... Uh, yeah, I just ran into somebody that's a syndicator and he's looking for programs and and here here's his number. So I going into that, I had no expectation that that was going to happen. I, I've been talking about it in my mind for a long time. So it suddenly happened. So I turned to my guides, which I often do, and say, hey, guys, thanks. <laughs> thanks for leading me in the right direction. Um, yeah. So but it's, so it happens all the time and yeah. I'm sure it happens to you, too. Well, it's happening for everybody. Like we're co-creating all the time, but there is something cool about um, about the experience if you're aware of it. You know, like um, so that's the fun part for people like yourself is being that you're aware of it. So it does make the ride a lot a lot of fun. But everyone's doing that, whether you are aware of it or not. Yep. You're in a co-creation with the universe and. Um, and so when you become aware of that, that's what's happening, 
you 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 know it 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 does add to the fun of of fun of this life yeah and and there are no coincidences it is <laughs> everything is by divine plan in 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 my humble opinion even even the not so good things because yeah. there have been people that have written books about their not so good life that it now is turned into an exceptional life and that can be a blueprint for somebody else but if, yes. had they not gone through that they couldn't write the book to help somebody else yeah so, i would say probably I would say every exceptional life has that story. I agree. Everybody I've talked to, I've talked to a bunch. I've talked to a bunch. Allison, it's, I got to tell you, it's a pleasure having you. You're three hours ahead of me. It's now time for dinner over at your <laughs> house or it's past time for dinner. And I want to thank you for coming on the show. I thank really you. appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been awesome. I love talking to you. It's been great. And happy Thanksgiving to you. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate it, Kevin. Thanks for having this conversation with me. Is there anything that you'd like to tell our audience before we go? Um, don't just stand there. Do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> huh? What do you mean? That's, that's right. <laughs> that's a bumper sticker. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's my tagline, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great, don't, don't just stand there, do nothing. Yeah. Because doing nothing is something. It's everything. That's even better. That's yeah. two bumper stickers. We've yeah. created two. And... <laughs> so I want to thank Allison for being here. Uh, go to our website again, hamiltonmeditationgroup.ca or .com and find out all about her and learn how to Learn how to meaningful meditate in a positive way that will, and dare I say, it can change your life. <laughs> so, Allison, thank you so much for being here. If you wait right there, I'll be right back. Hey, thanks thank for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to one another because each other